Welcome to After the Deluge. I'm Justin Cox, and today we have a conversation with Dan Ozzy, author of the book Sellout, co-author of the Laura Jane Grace book Tranny, and he also has a substack called Reply Alt, and recently wrote a piece about the band slash collective slash cult, The Armed. We start there and pretty quickly jump to all things related to music writing, the internet, uh, and <laughs> twist and turn our way through and ultimately land on Barack Obama's summer playlist. I loved this conversation. I really appreciate Dan coming on as I set out to make season three of this show about Against Me. Um, this conversation covers way more than that, but still just felt like an important person for me to talk to along the way. Um, and you can find me on social media at Routine Layup. And you can find this podcast at After the Deluge. And you're going to get it in this conversation, but I can't recommend Sellout enough. Um, but you'll hear that in this conversation. But go find that book. Go buy that book. Here is my conversation with Dan Austin. Dan Ozzy, how's it going? Thank you for joining. Oh, it's going good. Thanks for having me. Beautiful. All right. Well, I just, uh, about a week or two ago, I clicked and um, read this Fader story about the armed. Sort of like, I have like sort of, you know, when you have like peripheral knowledge of something happening in music, but you don't really totally know. And so I'm like aware of Turnstile and Scowl and this, something's happening with hardcore music. This is like, these bands are opening for Blink-182 and there's they're doing something slightly different. And I've listened enough to have a general sense too. And somewhere in that little mix was The Armed, who I really hadn't actually listened to. And so I was like, cool, Dan Ozzy wrote a thing about this. I'm going to read about The Armed right now and was not prepared for what that was going to actually be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ju just to be clear, like uh, one of the things that I mentioned in that article is that like the things that you're talking about, that these like bands that are kind of like having a moment right now, uh, great for them, but like, turnstile jail scowl all this stuff you know wish them the best but like i really think that what the arm is doing is completely separate like i don't and i think what is great about them and also probably one of their difficulties is that they don't like one of their challenges is that they're like really their own thing like a genre onto themselves and it's very difficult to make headway like that um, like, I don't think I, I don't want lump them in with this like new generation of hardcore, really. You actually have to stop short of even calling them a band, right? Do you ever call them a band in that piece or is it? Uh, yeah, I do. But just for ease of like, t you know, typing that you just don't want to stop the storytelling every once in a while, like the band, which is actually a collective, the members, which are actually like not technically members, you know, like it just for ease of uh storytelling purposes like yeah let's yeah. just go with band right well what's funny about it is you read this and so the story is told cor correct me if you want to use any other different wording but like it's kind of told as like guess what i'm in a cult now and the yeah. cult is the armed and you kind of paint this picture of who they are and what they are and everything like that um i come out of that piece like knowing a ton more about this collective this band that has new music coming out in about a month and also 
still kind of like not knowing, which I guess is the way you, the, the way a cult is, right? Like a cult, you can learn everything you want to know about a cult. It's still a fucking cult at the very end of that, which is inherently going to be like mysterious in a way. But nothing, nothing is a secret now, or so they tell me, you know? And so that's, that's sort of with this, they're rounding out like a trilogy of records. What's the record they have coming out next month? Uh, Perfect Saviors. Perfect Saviors. And from this point on, they are less a mysterious collective of people who aren't totally known and more just that's what they say but who who knows (laughs) that's what they told me so yeah well just to give some people you should read the story in the in in the fader but dan green simultaneously the person kind of like a primary songwriter or main songwriter and also a fictitious public face up until this point yeah okay let me see if i can explain this for People who don't who are and I just want to say before I go into it, this is what I understand it to be to the best of my knowledge. (laughs) Could it could I still be elaborately hoaxed and left in the dark? Sure. But here is how I have been made to understand it. Right. So for years, they have alluded to this guy named Dan Green um and fans know what he looks like. He's this guy with like big frame glasses. He's kind of like. I don't know, like very, he looks like a computer programmer or something like that. And he's been in their videos. He, they made like a movie, which is amazing. in which he's like the sort of like mysterious leader behind it. He's, his face is public is what I'm saying. Um, I actually, when my last book came out, I got a card in the mail with his face on it, which is on my refrigerator back there. Uh, and it just said, I liked your book, Dan Green. Like, it's just very <laughs> weird cult leadership. Okay, so that's that's Dan Green. However, there is an actual guy in their operation named Dan Green. And Dan, this Dan Green, like the real guy named Dan Green, is just this, like, really soft-spoken, diminutive um, I, I, I couldn't like say this outright in the piece, but this is just me saying anecdotally, like very kind of like on the spectrumy guy, uh, who is, I guess, like a savant in a sense, like a musical savant, like he just, um, makes all of these weird, sort of like MIDI versions of hardcore songs in his. A house in his place in Detroit and he works at like a supermarket and he just makes these like songs in rapid you know like just just yeah. really a prolific uh kind of like nerd <laughs> music nerd basically <laughs> and so I met him I went to meet him and he's been like sort of like the behind the scenes Dan Green like he I, I want to say that nobody knows what he looks like but they've kind of like sneaked him in as like Easter eggs in places. Like okay. if you look at their album, um, 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 oh my God, the one before only love, which is mis- escaping me right now. But um, there's a guy with this like shaved head on the cover with like the David Bowie lightning bolt on his face, like the Ziggy Stardust thing. That's, I believe Dan green. I believe he was in uh, one of the ultra pop videos like he's he's been hidden in places but like he's not the face of the operation yeah. his name is um but they use that name to do whatever they want and that's like i've i understand that this is very confusing i think this even in a sense like got out of hand in a sense that they didn't expect like 
they didn't say like, okay, we're going to have two Dan Greens. One's going to do this. One's they were just like, wouldn't it be funny if we named our cult leader after this friend that we have who like makes a bunch of our beats, you know, like, yeah. I th- and I think it just kind of like escalated from there. So <laughs> that's like one thing to like understand about the armed that I kind of came to understand is it's like not, it wasn't like, it wasn't intended to be like, what if we were this deliberately obtuse art project? Um, It was more like, you know, like, okay, we have a weird operation. What if we explained it to people like this? Or what if we explain this this way? And I think people have, like, helped make it more elaborate. Like, people kind of like the mythology and the lore of it. Yeah. Well, Um, you just... That's the best way I can (laughs) explain it, yeah. And I know they're coming coming to be be a little more direct with who they are and what they do, but you did a good job of capturing that mythology. I mean, I, like you kind of feel like you're reading about like mythological gods in yeah. that piece or whatever, but real quick, the, Oh yeah. That album that you were trying to think of is called untitled. That's a good reason. Yeah. I thought that's why name, I couldn't think of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I was struck. I was like struck where you go to talk to that Dan green, that like original Dan green is like, is it like his lunch break at the grocery store he's working at? Yeah. We just, we just went on the, on his lunch break. Um, Dan Green, you know, just like the head of this cult. I forgot to mention also that the other Dan Green, like the head, the face of the Dan Green, his real name is Trevor Nod because they're very being very like more open about their names now. Also, too, I just want to mention like years ago when um their album, I think this was around Only Love, if I'm not mistaken, came out. So this is 20, so this is five, 2018, I think. Uh, this guy named Max Frank wrote an article for me when I was at Noisy, the website Noisy. And it is also an awesome piece of music journalism that I'd really recommend. And this was a time where they were at maybe the height of their like deliberately obtuseness. <laughs> you know, they were like um, they liked fostering this like weird shadowy image. And the, when you read it, it, it sounds so it's like a murder mystery and it's all true but in a sense it's like all made up it's a really amazing story max did a great job uh the writer also max is now like me maybe in the band too like max has played guitar for them before on stage you know it's it's such a weird operation that like we're all part of in a way i just Um, i just listened to you as i was driving home today i just listened to you talk to the guy who's making the saint vitus book and you he sounded like he was kind of in the band too like, I'm like, let's go. That's the thing. Like, who's to say who's in the band and who's not in the band? It's like this big project. And if you've done something for it, you know, because like, I feel like a lot of their friends who are in the band aren't even musicians. Like, they have friends who make videos. They have friends who design their clothes, you know? And like, I guess I'm now their like official biographer, <laughs> you know? So they... like, does that make me in the armed? I don't know. Does that make you in the armed for listening? Maybe <laughs> there is, there is an undercurrent of savvy that they clearly have. That is. Oh like... my God. So I, I really like, I really am, am drawn to like, I'm a person who has like sort of a compulsive personality and sort of like an obsessive personality. Um, And I have to do, things the way I want them down to like every detail. So I'm really, I'm really um, drawn to people like that. I just yesterday got assigned to write about 
um my my neighbor jeff rosenstock who i think is very much like that like everything everything has to pass through them uh, through him and um you know so i just like people like that and like men i spent a, a, a few days with the guy tony from the armed and like you can tell the amount he's thought about his his band yeah yeah you know like he can talk for hours about it in a really like intelligent way and i don't know i just think that comes through when you that's like what i like about their music you listen to it and you're like all of this is so thought out like Mm -hmm. all of this is there's so much care and thought put into all of it and this new record sounds really different it sounds really poppier than what they have done in the past they're like hardcore records but at the same time like i know that they didn't sit down and they and say like oh what what if we flipped the script and made a poppy record yeah let's do that to fool people it was more like hey this is what we're all feeling right now and this feels right and so to me it's just this like monster that moves in this really uh organic way and they are like i said tony just like has all of it um in his mind he's you know like it's you can you can just really tell when something someone is obsessive about what they make uh and it's not just like a side project for for, for for real yeah i you know who it reminds me of in certain ways is uh i read i just like earlier this year read meet me in the bathroom and there's like some jack white um like the thing where it's all this like color palette on all the records and then there's the kind of deception around whether they're siblings and stuff like that there's like Mm -hmm. a i feel like that guy has some level of that um See, I like that, though. I like when somebody is like, um, you know, they're just like they're it just means everything to them. I like that. You know, I'm so no disrespect to anybody else. But like, I'm, you know, I I cover a lot of music and and you can tell when there's just four guys in a band and they play their shows and whatever. And you can tell when something is somebody's whole life and they would fucking die without making it, you know, (laughs) so um big respect to like what they do and it just it must be so hard to wrangle everybody in it um but i, I don't know it just seems like I, it just seems like it works in a really nice way like it doesn't seem like you know there are some people on their last record who are like not on this new record even at all like kara who is a very um public figure of the band because she's like so very recognizable she's barely even on this new record and i think I, I don't know. I, I think the way it works is they just tell her like, you know, like I, I, or the, or they don't have an explicit thing. It's just like who's around at the moment. Um, but it seems like it seems from a distance that like nobody gets bent out of shape about it. It's like, oh, maybe yeah. I'll be on this next tour. Oh, actually, no, the, this tour is like these nine people and not the r- other nine people, you know, so like, I don't know. It's just I think you have to like kind of do it for the greater good in this project. It's very trippy. It's unlike any band I've really read about. time you edited noisy and you've um written and co-written co-written a couple of books are you you do reply alt and then freelance as you freelance or what's what's your world yeah it's funny like i'm at a point now where i don't actively 
search out freelance gigs um just because like i hate it and i don't even know where people freelance for anymore but i am lucky in that i have like a main book project that that keeps me going and so i can kind of just do freelance stuff at my leisure and when it's right like i turn down stuff which is a very nice point of my career to get to the fader thing was like uh this guy alex uh ross who i used to work with at noisy um really liked that album the armed album and he wanted to give it the cover and it was like that it was like this thing where like yeah who else would do this and so i got called for that and um you know same thing like i said jeff rosenstock has a new album and Somebody was like, oh, we want to like do a profile on this guy. Who's the guy to do this? And it's like me. So I've like just <laughs> I don't know. I've I've like cornered the market on things that like I I that I want to say like nobody else wants to touch. But that's that seems like very mean. It's not it's not that it's like I I like to ride for like weird underdog things. And that's such a terrible way to make a living a full time, you know, because <laughs> you can't you know, you can't it'd be hard to make a living just just covering the niches of the world um so i do them and i have figured out a way to do them uh in a way when it's appropriate i don't really work on stuff i don't want to work on which is very nice you know that's cool i mean i i said as much to you in the email to ask you to do this like you god bless whatever little stretch happened advice and noisy or whatever that had you there writing that stuff because i can remember i remember being like maybe just turning 30 circa 2010 mm-hmm. through 14 or whatever. And being like, I hit this po- period where all I was doing was going to see the bands I liked when I was 20, but now totally, they were, tw- totally. now they I, were 12 years deeper in their career and making worse albums. I, I did too, just for the record, like before I got that job at noisy, cause like I had sort of like a career shift and like in my twenties, um, I, you know, I'm sure my, my 20 something self would argue with this analysis, but I look back at my twenties as like a time where I just got progressively like less in touch because I don't know when I was 21, I got out of college. It was like that Brooklyn cool era, you know? And I was just going to all these venues. I knew every fucking band. I used to go to these like college music festivals. I was a college kid. I was a college, like music obsessive, like right out of college and stuff. And I uh, was so tapped into everything. And then as I got into my twenties, I was like, doing you know if i had full-time jobs and i got i had less time to go to shows it's like that simpsons line like i used to rock and roll all night and party every day (laughs) and then it was twice a week in which i found time to get funky but um yeah so like i just drifted away and i had to have like i kind of had to like shock myself back into like okay what's cool again you know and and that's why i like always while i while i do sometimes laugh at the naivete of 21 year olds i do really like always listen to what they're into because i'm like yeah yeah no i that when i was 21 i was an idiot big time like i thought i understood the world and i knew nothing but i was really tapped into like what was happening you know so like i do think there's like a a, um a trade-off that comes with being 21 and that you are you fucking know nothing about the world and it's about to crush your spirits and it sucks but um, as far as like what's happening in, in cool, like you're, you know, it, cause you're it, just in it, you know? Yeah. It's for you. It's happening for you. You're not thinking beyond 
yes yeah, it's happening for it. you exactly and yeah. now i feel like even the cool things that i like i definitely feel like i'm on the outside of it like observing it you know i'm yeah. not i'm not part of it for sure I, I think and i think it's like maybe a nice that there that's the nice way to evolve out of it is like aware and exploring and find what you like and don't like it'd be it'd be a mistake to also just pretend you were one of the 21 year olds as well you know it's a mistake to do that and it's also a mistake to uh you know i i see so many like guys my age who like you were saying like have not gotten into a new band since like fucking you know whatever and and um and they just dismiss everything like something comes out that they don't understand like a hundred gex or whatever it is. And they're like, this sucks. And I have sometimes similar opinions, but I keep them to myself now because I'm like, well, who am I to say that a hundred gex sucks? Because it they're doing something that clearly people identify with and that people like. Um, so like I it's it's hard for me to say I'm wrong. I can <laughs> stick to my opinion that I don't like it or I don't want to listen to it. But for me to say it's bad, I don't know. Do I still have the the ground to say that? Um, you know, I, so I kind of like watch myself because I just I've seen I've seen guys my age just embarrass themselves being like shit used to be better. It's... You know, like you look at John Joseph going on Twitter and he's just like punk rock used to be fucking badass. Now it's all these fucking snowflakes. And you're like, dude, you <laughs> sound a hundred and five years old. It's pathetic. So I just I just am very careful. I just don't want to turn into that guy. You I, know, so yeah. I try to keep an open mind. I feel you, absolutely feel you on that. Um but that well that kind of leads me to it is like at that time I felt that way. I and I and like so so pitchfork or whatever existed 10 years prior to that or longer or whatever. That was like happening on the internet, but that wasn't for people who listened to fucking newfound glory in high school, you know. That was and and what happened at when you were there on noisy, it was sort of like, oh, like who's I like it was a, it was a, like an entryway into like hearing bands. And I think that like hearing of new things, trying them, being like, oh shit, I think I kind of reliably it can can check out someone that this per this writer is talking about it also coincides mm. with a few years into like social media and twitter and a few years maybe into streaming music and stuff like that it's probably a confluence of all that stuff but i know that it like it totally like revamped my approach to listening to music in my early 30s that i think probably will impact the way i listen forever and <sighs> kept me from being like a guy who's just at the uh like I just wanted to go to the descendant shows and that's it. Yeah, Nothing exactly. against descendants, but like, yeah, I do. Th I feel like there was a risk of guys our age just being like fucking getting a babysitter when the descendants played and then that was it. And so like, yeah, I, I get, I actually get a lot of what you're saying to me from people and I appreciate it every time. Um, I feel very much like uh, a part of it. Like, I don't feel like, uh, when I get that feedback, I don't feel like uh, you're welcome. I feel like, yeah, isn't that cool that we all like kind of got back into music together? I um, there's a really important band in my life for many reasons. Um, I don't know if they're like important, larger, you know, in a large context, but uh, the band Chumped is a really um, was a really important band in my life um, because. They were just this band of kids that I knew in Brooklyn and they were fucking, you know, like they were just these little rascals that I knew 
And um, I really, I thought that they were great. You know, they were so much fun. We used to just play these like really no bullshit, not pretentious shows, you know, like where everybody was like a little too drunk and having a little too much fun. It was just a blast. And it was such a special time. Um, and nobody cared, you know, like I, when I say this, I mean, they, they would play in at suburbia for like 60, 70 people, but it was so much fun, you know, and I just saw so much potential in them. And I remember I was freelancing at that time and I kept pitching them, you know, I'm like, let me write about this band. They're so cool. They're, their singer is this woman, Anika. She's, she's just a star, you know, and uh, I'll let me write about them. And I just got a lot of no's, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, it's like, okay, well, I, I tried, I guess. But then I got a I got a job at at Noisy, and when I got hired, this guy Ben who hired me, he was like, "Listen, man," uh, he gave me this weird analogy that I'll never forget. He was like, "You ever see The Shining?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's <laughs> like, "You know Shelley Duvall in that movie?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Okay, well, she wasn't the best person for that job, but she was the right person. She was just filled that role exactly the way they wanted it." And that's what we want you to do. Like we hired you because you're you just do what you want. Just cover what you want. And I was like, wow, okay, cool. That's a really cool thing Thank to hear. You. And so first, like one of the first things I did, I was like, I'm going to cover this band chumped. Like I got a job and I, they want me to cover what I want. I covered this band chumped and uh, you know, they really got, they did after I covered them, they got more attention. And I'm not saying they were like, you know, fucking, uh, Greta Van Fleet or something like that, but they just, you know, they, they started getting their music videos at Oprox and fucking Brooklyn vegan and whatever. I don't know. You know, like they just, they just like, I think I helped open the doors for them, which is all yeah. I wanted to do. And so like, when I look back at that time and my purpose at noisy, I always think about that band because that really set forth, like what I was aiming to do. And, you know, there were definitely some times where I'm like, oh, but actually, wouldn't it be cool if I interviewed like a huge band like The Descendants? And I took advantage of that. I but like, you know, I always tried to like ride for those those bands, especially when they were my friends. And I liked them as people almost as much as their music. I actually listened to you talk to I subscribed to your newsletter, by the way, your Substack. So your conversation with Anika and it was like we cried. It was borderline. Ch it was very charming. Like it felt yeah. like it felt like uh, you two experienced like a parallel like moment to you for you as a writer, them as a band, and you're championing them, and they're with. Like it, it was very very beautiful. I don't uh, I don't like to, uh, you know, like be nostalgic and and say that this time was better than now because now is great too. You know, but like uh, it is nice once in a while to just like reflect on a, a moment and be like, that was really nice. Yeah, that was yeah. a nice time. But also this time right here is nice, too. So um, <laughs> I think yeah. media, I think I think for uh, media and digital media and stuff, that time was better. Uh, uh, <laughs> Maybe, you know, know, it's it, I it's know. I, I go on about this because, yes, it does seem like very dire now. And it just seemed like the capitalist 
devoured everything that was cool. My friend Emma tweeted this great thing the other day where she said something like, you know, there's a special place in hell reserved for the people who made going on the computer previously one of life's simple pleasures unfun anymore. (laughs) I think that's right. Like it definitely, there were definite problems to the online spaces of 2012, 2013, but at least like, it seemed more self-governed like now i just feel like we're at the mercy of elon musk or whoever owns the like blog network that's like conde nast or whoever you know and it it just sucks it just seemed like like one thing that was really cool about noisy was like there were definite mistakes that we made and we were definitely like reckless in a lot of senses, but also like it, if it felt like these, like just kids running the store and it was so exciting. Like this woman who basically like hired me in a sense, this woman, Sasha, like, I think she dropped out of college to do this job. So when I was working with her, she was like 21, 22, (laughs) you know, like we were just like, fuck, like, it just it really felt like there were no adults in the room. And now yeah, yeah. I know that that phrase has become sort of like a signifier of like these people who ruin every good website and blog, the adults in the room. Yeah. But uh, at that time, they weren't around or if they were, they were just counting the money and they didn't give I, a shit. <laughs> I, I can't imagine there's a lot of space for a person like that boss that's told you to be Shelly Duvall in your in your role. To just I know. Do that. Like, it's, I don't yeah. know. That's just cool. And then to be like, yeah, I'm going to go cover this band that no one took pitches on and i don't know there's a lot of that's 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 like really empowering someone to care about their job and care about what they're doing and yeah it's cool actually and uh, anika anika actually i wrote a song about my student loans one time that she had like tweeted something about student loans or whatever Mm -hmm. and i'd heard I don't know if I heard that interview with you or what timing it is but I'd heard her record that has like the song that goes from the like spoken spoken word poetry kind of thing which is like she's an incredibly gifted was that writer. like a wild river maybe that record for sure yeah. but there's a, there's a moment in that that goes from a song uh, like a spoken kind of like interstitial part into a song about her dad like a mexican restaurant dinner at a mexican restaurant and then a song about her dad that just like really yeah fucked me up and she, and she i emailed her that song and she sang a harmony track on it like a oh, harmony wow. vocal track on I, it. I, I... Didn't know we were going to get so into Anika, but she's a she's a really special person, you know. The la- it's funny because I uh, I hadn't seen her for a couple years because of the I don't know if you were following, but there was like a pandemic or whatever, you know. <laughs> and uh, I hadn't seen her, and then uh, I got to hang out with her uh, at in the desert in Joshua Tree, and I like got really emotional about it. She because uh, you know she, her. It's funny because her art. I don't know if anybody like has followed Anika Pyle from afar, but her art is very sincere. You know, like when I saw her, she like legit like made the audience close their eyes while she <laughs> like read a poem. And it was really beautiful and very like delicate and sincere. But then also too, like what I forgot is she's so much fun. Like, you know, she's such a fun person. Like we were just stuffing rolls in our mouth at breakfast and stuff. Like, and she's just such a good hang. And I feel like maybe that gets lost from afar on her art is uh, how much fucking fun that woman is. Yeah. Yeah. You can, yeah. You hear that music and you, you, they become a certain thing in your mind. Not that I, not that I actually know her. I mean, she is like, she's a really, she is really a thoughtful person uh, and a really like sweet human being. But she's also just like a blast to hang out with. <laughs> so was did sellout came out 
mid pandemic, right? Like pretty much in the heart of it. Um, actually, like, I don't know when we want to look at the pandemic as being over, um, if it is, but it actually happened at kind of a good wave of the pandemic because it was kind of over. Like it was, uh, after everybody had been vaccinated and was getting yeah. back to normal life. So it actually like, you know, like it's funny cause I came out in October and everybody that was like booking in-person events in the summer was being like a little hesitant about it. But I got to book things in the fall when things were pretty firmly like back to, you know, quote unquote normal. Um, so it actually kind of came out right at the end of it, which was really fortunate for me. Like I got to experience it in person, which was really nice. Yeah, like still pandemic-y enough to be reading more and buying things online, but not pan but but diminished yeah, enough to go yeah. do people, live events. <laughs> people had gotten really accustomed to like buying things online. So like the Amazon sales I had were really good. But um but also people came to the book event, which is cool too. Sweet. Did did all right. So a thought uh, uh, let's see if I could say this correctly and without sounding like overly like psychological or dramatic or whatever, but like I would reading that book, I I'm thinking about music and I'm thinking about bands and I'm thinking about all this stuff that I'm familiar with. But there was this kind of like undercurrent of how much growing up at that time period with that like idea that selling out as just basically your whole entire youth and and you glance you, you this becomes like part of your identity if you're into punk music and everything. Do you there was this whole experience I had that was in addition to the bands and their stories that was sort of like thinking about the any kind of like self handicapping I ever did to my like myself as I went yeah. about my life. Like, did you did you think about this at all as you wrote the book? Is this well? You, well, it's, what's amazing about it is you watch certain band band members absolutely agonize over it, and then you flip to Blink One Eighty Two, and they're like fucking wonderful. Yeah, uh, every, Mark always tells me he's like, man, I just want about music. I love my music, and I felt the same with the book. You know, like I love the book. I want everybody to read the book. Um, and uh, I do have like. You know, one thing that a, a couple people told me, uh, specifically Chris Caraba from Dashboard, he said it in the like updated version, uh, if anybody has that. <laughs> but he said something like, you know, I feel like I got big, but I could have gotten a little bit bigger if I had just like played the game a little bit. And um, and I that was something I didn't really fully understand until like it kind of happened to me with the book, because um you know like i am a very opinionated person and then once in a while the people who work at my publisher who are just very well-meaning nice hard-working people they <laughs> will be like hey like we got you this opportunity and you're just like uh okay i see why you would think i would be aligned with that but that actually is very corny to me and i don't want to <laughs> do it because it's i'd rather have the cred then do it and you know like i, I so there, there i can't be just like completely shameless um what people do with the book and who likes it that's out of my control <laughs> um but i just don't i just didn't like want to uh just i, I just didn't want to be a whore for it you know like I, it, there were certain like I, I think that how you roll a book out is like it's all part of the art in, in a sense, um, again, like what the lifespan of it is beyond me is out of my control. But um, but yeah, I got what they meant by that, like <laughs> not playing the game. You know, I, I can only imagine when there were bigger opportunities in 2004, you know, what at the drive in was it asked to do that they didn't want to do. I can only imagine it was such a bigger scale than me, 
you know, yeah, doing some God. interview with some corny thing. That's a good point. It's not just uh, signed to a major label or not. It's like all the things that come with that that are now out of your. Yeah, I mean, there's one of the example that like comes to mind is like, um, you know, what that there's a cover of Spin where Brody from Distillers is on it, which is like not much of a compromise, I think. Although for some people, it is being on the cover of mm-hmm. a magazine. But they like made her wear this like Betsy Johnson like tutu skirt basically, and uh, she I remember her telling me she's like she was like it was like a whole fight, just like I don't fucking want to wear this, and they'd be like oh but they want you to do it, you know? And like, that's a compromise and that's a compromise specifically to like your image and your body. And especially as a woman, that must've just been so degrading. Um, You know, it's like one thing I feel like they're like, Oh, you worry. They're going to make us change their album title or the cover, which they did for them. But for her, it was like, Oh, you want me to just like be a different person? Like, you know, fuck that. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, A thing, a thing that, that kind of struck me in the book we're in a time where basically like you'd hear some version of the sentence, like there's no such thing as selling out anymore or, or anything like that. And I feel like the book simultaneously talks about how much this was a thing and how much less of a thing it is now in part, because there's no real other way to make money, but you don't, it doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't feel like that was your thesis of the book. Like, bands should just go get their bag at all costs. It's not that it's, but it is like, I guess, I guess that's, what's kind of beautiful about it is it is the, by selecting the bands you selected, you get the, the good, the happy endings and the, the, the bad endings and the everything yeah. in between. I, I tried to actually keep it thesis free, you know, like just it being like an objective history of like I didn't create that time period. I don't have any thoughts that are in the book about it. I just, uh, documented it and like granted i have a little bit of um power in that i can steer it the way i want i can use the quotes i want to use and not use the ones i don't want to use but at the same time like i'm not trying to like I, people can draw their own conclusions from it like i've had people who like uh read it and they told me like they're like this person seemed like a real asshole and i was <laughs> like wow okay like that's interesting because i didn't think of it that way but you did. So like, I don't know, like you, you can read it and make your own like villains and heroes out of it. But I tried to just treat everybody equally, you know, like I, even like with the A and R guys, like who have always been cast as like vampires, I just like tried to show them like, they're actually just people. Um, Maybe you don't like them. once you hear them open their mouths or maybe you do, I don't know. I mean, maybe you're surprised, but to me, I always just like wanted to approach it objectively. Yeah. Um, you know, and you can, you can make of it what you will. And it, the curation of that was very deliberate. Yeah. Whether I liked the A&R guys specifically as people, I like, I loved them, their dynamic in that story of like <clears throat> people being <laughs> these, these bands just accepting all the gifts and like doing the dinners and the things like that with yeah. these guys. And then saying like, Oh, well this guy's the cool one. And this guy doesn't know jack shit. <laughs> I I definitely have like a little bit more of a nuanced understanding than I did at uh, 18 too. Now that I am probably the age that or older uh, of a lot of these A&R guys at the time, you know, where I understand that they weren't like super rich. They were just guys no. with like corporate credit cards who genuinely like wanted to help 
bands that they liked. It wasn't like, what can we leech off of them? It was like, you know, Mark Cates is in that book and he's like, man, jawbreaker fucking rules. It's like, I just helped Nirvana get big. Wouldn't it be cool to do this to this band? You know, it wasn't like a try like exploitative or maybe it seems like that in, in hindsight, but it was just people. It was just guys mostly um, just doing what I did with chumped, you know, like just trying to give yeah, people yeah. a shot. <laughs> so yeah, you could, um, ca- you could cast it, especially now with the, with like the sort of evolved way we would think about quote unquote selling out as like, they sound entirely good. Like, Hey, I want to give you this opportunity to have more yeah, people hear yeah. you to get more money to blah, blah, blah. And they just, they, they were not necessarily burdened with whatever, like childhood punk rock ethos or, or I don't know. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to, I don't know if you've read our band could be your life, but one, the, I love that book. And, but the, the, the one part that just absolutely <laughs> I had a hard time with in that book was that Fugazi is second to last. And then you get beat happening. Like I felt like it did, mm. did beat happening should, uh, dirty. Fugazi should have been the headliner. <laughs> it's sort of like, Oh, I want to know about this. I want to know, but I just did Fugazi. And so I was, mm-hmm. I was happy with, uh, and this is no slight against rise against. I like rise against, but, um, was glad against me was last like it, it like it, culmin- it was a culmination to that you know yeah i mean to get to me against me marked a very distinct end to an era in a lot of ways and that i don't mean that as a slight to them i mean like i think the music industry just changed right right around then it wasn't their fault um but there was definitely like a change that happened for them and it just seemed like it just seemed like their story just seemed like the headliner to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, chronologically, it's a if it it's near the end part, and it but it does feel like it culminates. It's weird that it doesn't just like. I mean, I'm sure actually that it fades as the industry changes, but I think you wrote a noisy piece that maybe was the seeds of that book that was like ranking, like ranking the level of selling out or whatever. And yeah, they were like higher than ten or something. Man, they got it so bad. But I, uh, I, 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 like, that's why it resonates so much is that I was among the people that was like, fuck this. I remember being on the phone. I remember this so distinctly. I think it was 2005, maybe it was, uh, yeah, it must've been, it was when CBGB was closing and they were doing these like last five shows that were like big underplays. I don't remember the others, but I feel like it was like judge, you know, like just, just really big shows in the small CBGB space. And I remember uh, against me was one of them. And I remember being on, like just waiting on my browser to like buy the tickets. And I remember they just like went instantly so fast that it seemed like a mistake. Like it seemed like it, crashed and i remember like calling the customer service and like just arguing with this poor woman who was so exasperated by me and then uh you know just like being so mad at my favorite band because of this and then i remember (laughs) laura telling me about that in in more recent years where she was just like yeah i think those tickets were just like claimed by all the like label people and stuff like i don't even think anybody got a ticket to that (laughs) i was like god God. damn it you know and that that was the kind of stuff that really made me mad as a fan back then so uh yeah 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 well i I absolutely loved the book and loved tranny as well and is it am i you don't have to to answer this if it's not a thing you're talking about right now but is it right that you're writing a novel uh that's on the uh on the back burner i was and then i i 
got roped into this really unbelievably big project which i'm working on now so like after i do that i would really love to get back to that that novel the novels in the drawer yeah um i wrote maybe twenty thousand words of it if that uh like the seeds of it are there i uh, just gotta keep going um at that at that time like whether whether it's early 2010s or now however you want to answer this do you see i think i wrote this one down to try and ask it right mm-hmm as a writer who's writing about music, do you see yourself as someone who find things finds things you like that resonate with you and give them buzz, like try to try to build them up, kind of like how you're describing with Chumped? Or is it pay attention to what's happening and document it? What do you feel like is more the way you approach writing? Um I definitely do not have or really want the influence that I once had. Uh, I think I'm think I'm more of a documentarian now. the The influence part of it was fun. Uh, when I was at my the height of my prowess, I think, <laughs> but it was like really stressful too. When I look back at that time, because I <laughs> when I started, I don't want to say no one, but like really not many people were like covering what I covered. And it was really nice. Cause like I had, I was like the bell of the ball, you know, and I had like my sure. pick of whatever I wanted to cover. And it was so nice. Um, and then other people saw that that was popular and I started getting some competition and that's good. Um, but at the same time, it, it like made my job harder, like the competition element and so like i didn't like this game that ended up being played about like premiering singles and first dibs and stuff like that it made it like really stressful and kind of like not what i wanted to do i wanted to just cover cover the music and i didn't want to like play this game so like that that part of in the influence is like really stressful when i think about back at it like trying to be more influential than somebody else and just now i'm at this at the point where i just don't give a fuck and i'm just like trying to uh do the best i can uh like i i don't i'm definitely not in the quantities game anymore but i am really trying to do whatever i do i am trying to make it look and feel i don't want to say better than like what everybody else is doing but i just want it to feel like mine specifically like i i'll go on twitter sometimes and people are talking about something and i don't know what i'm like what are you talking about like (laughs) there's some trend that people made up and that i decided it's worth discussing i'm like what are you talking about (laughs) i don't want to be involved in this and so like Mm -hmm. i just have such a different role now where like i I choose, I gravitate towards things that like really interest me and I focus on them and I try to do a really good job. Like, that. <laughs> like I try to write a 5,000 word story on the armed, you know, like I, I don't yeah, try you're... to just fucking get little, you know, like I, I just try to just go really big when I think it's worth it. And I don't have to, when like the, the job, I, I think I actually maybe have turned this down. Like, I think I was, asked once to like contribute to like a best albums of the year or like best albums of the year so far list. And I had to be like, I don't, I, 
am not the person you want. I have no fucking idea (laughs) what's come out. I don't follow like release dates anymore. I just try to like create my own universe. And I'm really grateful that uh, some people have, as many people as have gotten on board. Like it's so cool. Like when I put something out, people are into it. And that's awesome. This is you being your version of the guy from the armed, like, like, like specifically diligent about what you want the project to be and everything. Uh, it's funny yeah, what you, and and like it's funny what you said about uh, seeing something on the internet and not knowing like like what 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 is mm-hmm. being talked about here? Uh, my friend and I talked about that the other day. Like he he asked me, he's like, so I saw this thing that was like some girl with a ukulele and she's apologizing for something. And do you know right. about this? Oh, and she I was made like, like an apology that was a ukulele <laughs> song or something. Yeah, but it was a beautiful moment where we were both were like. Nope, I've managed to not know exactly what the fuck it's that so, thing is about. It's so fucking empowering when you can see something and just make a conscious decision and be like, nope, uh, oh, the Barbie movie is woke. <laughs> not my problem. You know, like um, that's been my motto <laughs> over the last few years. It's just like, not my problem. Like you guys deal with this. Um, But yeah, it, and it's funny too, because like it, it, the way I operate is insane because I'm like trying to build I'm trying to be a writer, but I'm trying to do it in a way where like I own everything now. Like it's weird because I am, I don't know what the word is. I'm an, I'm a known writer. I'm like, mm-hmm. a, I, I don't know. Successful seems like a weird word, but like I'm You're successful. known enough. Uh, and yet I've never written for Pitchfork. Like that's very funny that like I, I'm a prominent music writer and I've never had a word written on pitchfork because to me like pitchfork is like a competitor you know it's not my Mm. source of uh like i don't want the influence i'm like competing with pitchfork (laughs) like i'm trying to do things better than pitchfork and and in a way i'm like uh, not even competing i'm just doing my own separate thing and that they're their own separate thing that we're you know so uh but it is it is just funny when i think about it like that like i'm a music writer ostensibly and yet i am not involved in anything that is going on in the world of like music it's really funny i suppose i suppose now that you say that like the thing i said earlier about like well obviously media is worse i don't know that that version to do be able to do that wasn't as easy to do 10 years ago you know you know like i don't know everybody i think the like obvious way of thinking is like okay if you wanted to be a music writer now it's too late like you missed your shot um because where are you going to write for but uh while on a career or money making standpoint that might be kind of true i also think that like this like when i really got into music writing it wasn't like establishment voices that i was drawn to i like like blogs and and when when somebody could like make their own blog that had like ad money and they just could do that themselves like i i was gravitating to that way more than like spin i never i as a kid i like never owned i didn't have a subscription to like rolling stone or spin or like maybe like thrasher was the closest to that (laughs) that had like music stuff but i just like i was just really drawn to like individuals or like friends who blogged or you know whatever and and uh to me like that was always the thing so so saying like, oh, it's it's over now for music writers seems like a little bit short sighted because like really the draw of it is just making your own voice hurt. Yeah. Um, and so like, and also there's like a million ways that you can do that now. 
Um, the only I, bummer, sorry, once I get started on this, that's it. The only on. bummer of it is that like the, the, sometimes the cheapest shit rises to the top. Fucking, you know, the Eric Alpers of the world being like, what's an album you like that has a guitar on it? You know, like I hate that. I hate engagement farming. I hate whatever is going on on TikTok. TikTok, TikTok. I listen to fucking. Just call, uh, it, TikTok. That. Just call it that. I don't like for the most part i don't like youtubers because it's they all know how to play this game that's like so fucking pathetic and like uh i i know this sounds pretentious to to call it art but like does anybody have like art to express in them you know like i that's just free of free of this fucking algorithm so so yeah it's it is a bummer it's it's so hard to make to to have your voice heard and still make it good because it seems like you can have your voice heard and just be this pathetic what was that thing that was going around the other day like the riz king or whatever did you see that one (laughs) i think i might have successfully missed this one too oh good for you but it was like this thing where it was like i actually i don't even know i'm not even going to try to recant it but it just seems like the worst most like try hard shit is what gets popular unfortunately yeah yeah I thought about I thought about a minute or like an hour before we got on to do this. I got uh, speaking of Twitter and social media. I got Barack Obama's summer summer music. Oh playlist. man, why does he do that, dude? Thought about thought about pivoting to this whole podcast is just us going through and deciding which ones he actually listened to and did which ones he didn't. Did you see what didn't. Lucy Dacus did? Yeah, that's how I, don't I saw. Have it. much of an opinion of Lucy Dacus, but that rolled. <laughs> that she so... called him a war criminal. <laughs> Yeah, I it's it is funny whenever he like releases those like book recommendations and it would just be so weird one day if he was just like, Oh, actually sell out uh <laughs> is the book I'm reading. I I would I I don't know what I would do. Like at once I would also be humiliated because like I feel like when a sixty year old fucking retired sitting president likes what you do you've actually failed at art you know (laughs) you're like as lame as can be but at the same time like my mom would think that would be cool so maybe let 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 like 24 hours of book sales happen and then you call him a war criminal (laughs) yeah right right i think that's the move i think you're exactly right like let's let's let those sales reap in and then I'll get a second bump by yeah. disputing him. But yeah, I don't think I don't think that Barack Obama is going to read sell out. <laughs> <laughs> Why was uh? What was the? There was a song like uh, a really old song on it, like not the Macarena, right? But like something <laughs> like so corny that I was like, "Why is that? Like, who's listening to that now?" Like, let me look it up. Hold on. I, what I what I have to say is I think he there's these ones in there that I'm like okay cool like <coughs> listening to oh, the righteous brothers I'll stand by you by the pretenders what the fuck <laughs> what are you getting a divorce like is him and Michelle getting a divorce why are you listening to I, I'll stand by you in see, 2023 what the fuck see Walk like I'm, an Egyptian by the bangles what the fuck those are <laughs> what those what are classics. Those are classics, Dan. I see. To me, I'd rather him be saying that because I think he actually is listening to them more so more than he's listening to the Beths. Yeah, I I definitely think that the Beths is his like social media's manager's pick. The uh, whole thing like, is that. That's why. Uh, totally, had, totally. But the, I need but that's to. That's why. Not... Like, how did Walk Like an Egyptian get on there? Yeah, it's true. I think oh, maybe Two Tomatoes is on here. That's funny. Sorry. I think that I think that maybe it became too transparently workshopped toward like, uh-huh. like I've had. I I I, I want to like be careful how I say this. I'm saying it kind of jokingly, but also not. Like I this this fucking summer playlists that are so clearly branded and marketed and like somehow it's made a mixtape, a political, um, a mixtape political and calculated in this way that is so 
Barack Obama is so perfect at this. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to say it right now, slightly hyperbolically, these summer playlists are what led us to Donald Trump. Wow. It's a response. It's a response. I would, well, to- I would fucking kill. I would kill to see Donald Trump's playlist. So I would fucking kill. I One of my favorite things to do is imagine Donald Trump as like, like what he consumes and like thinking movie characters are real. And you oh know what God. I mean? Like just what my favorite thing to do is I always walk around. I don't know if you've seen tar. Yeah. The movie tar. Yeah. But I love to walk around going, uh, lying Lydia tar. We know about her <laughs> folks. Lying Lydia tar. used to be lying Linda tar, but that's okay. That's okay. But where are Lydia's emails? We don't know folks. We don't Francesca lost the laptop. We don't know. So, like, if you could put a list of, like, what movies Donald Trump is watching, like, just watching, like, Wakanda forever, oh I would just, like, fucking, goodness. I would lose my mind to see it. But also, too, like, any any political journalist who wants to just, like, make a fan out of me would just be, like, the next time, I don't know that Obama still, like, gives speeches or takes questions, but please ask him, hey, what is it that you like about Princess Diana by Ice Spice and Nicki Minaj? Uh-huh, uh-huh. What do you like about Snooze by SZA? Like, I would just love to hear him be like, oh, okay, well, uh, Beyonce uh, gets a lot of uh, uh, credit, but he... uh, let's not uh, forget uh, Solange. And the... Oh, I have an Obama story to tell you, by the way. Go. I was uh, I was just in Greece for a few weeks and like on this island that uh, my friend has a house on. And it's like really remote. And so a lot of celebrities go there. I saw well, weird, a lot of celebrities, but um, Tom Hanks like has a house like two miles from us. Damn. And I saw him. I saw Tom Hanks on the very first day that I was there and just in town, just like drinking. And uh, and somebody was telling me they were like, oh, yes, Obama, he's here last week. I mean, Tom Hanks is here. Last week, Obama was staying with him, and there were so many fucking cops everywhere. There were so that, that was like this whole story on this island is everybody talking about like how much Secret Service was like bombarding the island because Obama was there at Tom Hanks's house. Um, so I just missed Obama by by this much, but maybe I could have got him into the armed, you know. You got, yeah, next year's playlist, get the armed. Uh, why are you uh, why are you so jacked? And I'd be like, well, there's. You have to refract, Mr. President. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. let me send you this article in the fader. Yeah, you have to you have to get into shape. So. Yeah. No, I think he would answer it successfully if you ask him why he likes the Ice Spice song. And then Trump would you ask Trump these same things and he would do like the what's your favorite Bible verse answer is like all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I both, like I like both testaments or whatever. Uh um, yeah. No, I I don't get me wrong. Like I it would be so cool if Donald Trump just fucking uh like fell into a soup and then died tonight. That would be so fucking rad. Don't don't get me wrong. S- still want that man out at the paint, you know. But uh, my God, I would just. I, there are things that I would kill to just to see, just like the best Pitchfork tracks of 2023. Making that face he made when like Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, where he's like, <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I'm hearing this for the first time. Yeah. SZA. I didn't know. Okay. You're telling me about SZA for the first, you know, like, fuck, I would just die to hear it. I would die to hear what he thinks about Drake and whatnot. 
this is a conversation about playlists and music, not politics and presidents. <laughs> okay. Um, well, Dan, this was really fun. Thank you. I'll be, I'll be, oh yeah, uh, real quick, a thing I pitched you. <laughs> Do you ever have a thing where you're like in a town and you have like some band that gets big or comes out of it? Well, I was from Sacramento and oh. in that band, I saw, I saw, I saw some punk bands play at a bar and among them was the musician Hobo Johnson. And it was oh, very, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever have the thing where you're in like a tiny scene and you're like, this is interesting. This is odd. And then he goes up, he makes some viral like tiny desk contest submission video. And I was like, I'm going to pitch this. And I pitched it around a couple of places, including Noisy. And uh, when your your response that I actually oh, I really no. love this response is, <laughs> thanks, but I'm really, really not interested in this guy. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's uh, not a sorry. That's not a sorry. It was a it was a funny moment of um, you see something in a little scene and then you yeah. see a thing blow up onto the Internet and like to watch the way it starts to look different and change. That was fucking really wild with that guy. That specific you know, guy. I I have been talking to uh, somebody that I know who has like known him for like a long time and same thing, like watched him come up and has been like working on him with some stuff and really recently, just recently sort of changed my view of that guy as sort of like a like a gimmick to actually more of a deep person. So I apologize <laughs> no. uh, that I didn't take Mr. Johnson. More I, what, seriously. what I think, what I think of what you're talking about, like that culture of, and I'll let you go in just a second, sure. that culture of like writing and championing bands and everything and the stress that came with it. Like this is, I, I don't ever take offense to like sending a freelance thing and getting a denial. It's part of what it is. You sure. know, it's, that's what it is. But I could, I just would think about like how many, <laughs> How many bands are reaching to you per day at that time period? How many bands that sound like adjacent Ugh. to the Menzingers are reaching Man. out to you to like get you to you, premiere and do their thing? You said it That's exactly exhausting. right. You said it exactly right. And the, and there was and there were it was weird too because people get would get so weird where they would be like, "Hey Dan, like I think you would really like this. It sounds like hot water music." Yeah. And I'd be <laughs> like, "Yeah, no thank you." And they'd be like, "Why? It's like I don't understand. It's like what you like." And I'm like, "Right, but I already have hot water music. Like I don't mm. why would I want uh yeah, but I did. Like that, that was another thing that I didn't love always about that job is just like turning people down. I'm not good at like turning people down and I had to just like do it constantly and just make like really snap uh decisions about people's art that sucks that's what being that's what being an editor is yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't don't miss it that much uh, to be honest <laughs> well thank you a ton for doing this i'll be honest I, I i we didn't come in to talk about against me and and i'm glad we didn't but also doing this podcast series about against me that's coming there was sort of a little part of me that was like I'm going on to season three of of the thing. And so the first one was about Jackson Brown, songwriter I like. The second one was about Bright Eyes. And so it went through there. Well, so I was no use to you at all on this one. No, I, t I interviewed Tim <laughs> Kasher. I interviewed Tim Kasher a month ago. I'm between the two seasons. So I interviewed Tim Kasher about The Good Life the other day and then mm -hmm. interviewing you about this. So it's like, I want, believe me, by the time I finish the, th <laughs> I don't want to just talk about one band forever. And I think you probably understand that, sure. that, that feeling. So it was a joy to to go a little bit more elsewhere with it. And I have the against me ones will come up next. Cool. And so appreciated both those books and uh, probably going to credit them a lot in that, in that little seven episode series. Go forth. Sweet. <laughs> Refract brother. Uh, where can people find you and your books? Uh, don't, don't find me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I don't know. Buy my books. Yeah. <laughs>
buy, buy them or you can buy them. How about this? Directly from my store, danozzi.bigcartel.com. You can you can find whatever I've little things I've made there. Excellent. Thank you, Dan. Thanks. Every day has a beginning and ending life. To make the circle again Thought on, thought on By the way of America Coke and a soda Playing Tetris in underwear would take